What is up, everybody? You are listening to Suds Buds Presents Pints and Pixar, the show where we chat about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage. I'm your host, Eric Anderson, and with me, as always, co host of the program, Mr. Nate Uppadel. What's going on, dude? Oh, just ready, ready to rock today, bud. Feeling a little spicy. Had some spicy beers, some spicy peppers. We just literally ate a serrano pepper garden fresh i gotta have that garden fresh that waxy red color mm. they honestly uh, they look like model peppers thanks man yeah i grew them with yeah. the help of uh girlfriend of the show miss sam tollefson so samantha shout outs shout out shout out to samantha always love to shout out to samantha yeah yeah, yeah. you're doing good Doing pretty good. Uh, I'm just trying to catch been, my bearings. Been here. a, a, little, little been a busy, busy week. Sister got married, uh, so that was fun. Congrats, um, Nate's sister. Yep, yep. Uh, yet, yet again, another day all about Maria. So that was very exciting. Um, <laughs> uh, it was kind of a weird one though, because my brother got married like two months ago. So like, I saw all of this extended family at his wedding, and then like. A month, yeah, a month and a half later, I saw all of the same people, which was kind of nice actually, because like those, like a lot of those people, are people I see like maybe once every other year, maybe a little bit longer, um, but because it was only like a month and a half, we got to just skip past right all that small talk. Nice. Yeah, and that was fantastic. Sweet. Yeah, like ah, oh, fancy seeing you here. The amount of times I made that joke, like ah, oh, what are the chances? Yeah, it was, it was a good time. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun. Uh, open bar, as is Wisconsin tradition. Um, I'm pretty sure you get run out of town if you don't have an open bar at your wedding. Um, they had accounted for eight beers per person. <laughs> wow. I was talking to my grandma. I'm like, Grandma, yeah, you got eight beers to drink tomorrow. And she's like, sounds like you got eight more beers to drink tomorrow. Told her I'd meet her in the middle. I'd drink four of her three. Or, yeah, I'd drink four of them for her. So you had 12 beers? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I think I started drinking at uh, about one. Um, we took the last shuttle home at midnight. So, you know. Yeah. It was a good time. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Weddings are always fun. It's a good time of year. Yeah, huge venue too. Nice. This monster. Pretty How many nice. people were there? I don't know. It's just a shit ton of family. Oh, big um, wedding then. Yeah, it was a pretty big wedding. All right. Well, for everyone listening, that means about uh, six weeks from now, Nate's going to be getting married. <laughs> Since uh, all of his family is doing that, I mean, it just it exactly. seems like just, you'd fall right into line. So. Exactly. Well, and we've been, you know. I uh, I wrote notes for uh, comparing siblings' weddings so that, you know, I can... Yeah. I have a favorite, but we won't get into that. Okay. I have a favorite wedding. Okay. I won't tell them about it. All right. Maybe I will. You'll have to tell me off air. I'm yeah, curious. Sure. And for sure. what reason? I can't put that out into the ether just yet. Yeah, I feel like that's bad karma to be 
to be speaking on recording. Exactly. Cool, man. Summer weddings. Beautiful mm-hmm. thing. Love is in the air. Something like that. Something like that. Something like that. But, uh, yeah. Um, what else? Any other good housekeeping stuff? Um, You're a student again. I'm a student again, yeah. Yeah. First week back of classes last week. Um, feels kind of crazy. Going to have to do some homework after we're done with all this this stuff today. You've been playing a lot of guitar in the quad? <laughs> yeah, I've been playing a lot of guitar in the quad, going to a lot of uh, a lot of weird basement parties. Sure. Um, yeah, a lot of keggers. Uh, Beer pong nonstop. Yeah, just constantly trying to avoid RAs. Uh <laughs> Trying to get your older brother to buy alcohol. Trying to, yep, yep. It's well, well, it's your younger brother, but it's fine. Yeah, I was gonna say trying to get my friend's older brother to buy me alcohol. Um, there you go. You know, smuggling pets into the dorms and just constantly pushing it and seeing what I can get away with. Pets keep getting bigger. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been good. It's nice. Freshman, freshman. Classic. Yeah. Freshy. And I well. haze you on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I made a hot sauce this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to try a little bit of that. Hulk sauce. Hulk sauce. Uh, verde sauce. Spicy verde with a medley of beautiful green peppers. Uh, it's got a nice color to it. Yeah. Yeah, it had some, some Anaheims and Thai chilies and Serranos, jalapenos, um, poblanos. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um. What else? You, my phone, my family group chat's blowing up. Yeah. It's like they didn't talk yeah, to me figure enough. Figure your shit out, man. We're at work. It's, like, it's one of those. Like, didn't I talk to all you people about a week ago? Not even. Not even a week ago. Forty-eight hours. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of being at work, and uh, yeah, let's let's drink some beer. Hey, <laughs> crack open that conversation. That's right. That's my line. Ah. That's my line, buddy. Well, that's it's only a line, buddy. It's only. Shout out to uh, David Lake. Doesn't listen to the show. No idea what he'd think of it. Probably be like, it's uh, pretty fucking stupid, buddy. <laughs> yep, almost certainly. Okay, well, why don't, you, why don't you tell people what we're drinking out here, huh? I'd like to first say I crushed both of these pours. He, he really did? Norm- like, I, I wouldn't lie about something like that. Yeah. Uh, this comes to us from... Is it Ladonia? I've always said it that way, but it might just be LaDonna. It's got the... the um, Apostrophe? Uh, no, the... Man, three years of Spanish, and I feel real dumb right now. Um, it's got the little... The, the <laughs> horizontal uh, squiggly thing <laughs> over the end. Yes, ah, yes, the horizontal squiggly yeah, thing. Yeah, like half... You know what I'm saying. Yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's either LaDonna or LaDonia. But, uh, yeah, this is the Big Mama Blonde Ale, and it's uno pint. That means mm-hmm. one pint. And it does. I know that. Um, also, shout out to Ladonia's uh, street team or their marketing team, because I see that little, like, the skeleton face slapped on just about every power converter in the city. Yeah. Like, it is everywhere. Yeah. Which is pretty, I don't know. I always kind of dig that. Like, it's not, like, an inappropriate place to put it. It's just... Yeah, just slapping stickers around. It's kind of an interesting one. Yeah. Um, it says here, the beer. You can tell a lot of a brewery... Oh, excuse me. I'm trying to read this. It's hard to read this. 
You can tell a lot of a brewery by their simplistic beers. This Blondale gives you exactly what you want. Beer-flavored beer. Big Mama is a loving homage to the head brewer's wife, Kelly Lopez. So, there you go. Um, yeah, while we sip on this, Nate, what do you say we dive into uh, the plot of The Good Dinosaur? The Good Dinosaur. By the way, pretty big fan of this movie. Uh, just going to get that out there. Yeah, um, yeah really... Uh, it comes together. It starts off weird, but it comes together pretty well. Um, so basically, we start off uh, in space, actually, um, in an asteroid belt. Asteroid gets knocked loose of a ring and starts hurling towards Earth. Um, and it ends up, it looks like it's going to crash, ends up just flying right by. Um, and apparently that was supposed to be the big, or not the big bang, the... Um, the great extinction for the dinosaurs. That was the meteor that was going to do it, but instead it just flies right by. Yes. Uh, a fun scene where all the dinosaurs mind their own business, and then they just, like, they see it shoot across the sky, and they just look up, and they go right back to what they're doing. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it kind of starts off alternate timeline, um, where that never, the meteor never hit Earth, the dinosaurs never went extinct, and uh, it... Then kind of flash. I forget how many millions of years, but it flashes forward like millions of years. Yeah. Um. Uh. Oh, sixty-five million years was the. I got a little cheat sheet popped up. On there the you go. Here. Um. So sixty-five million years goes by since that, uh, and we see um some some brontosauruses. I'm gonna just go with brontosaurus. They're the ones with the really long necks. Uh, we see them uh, kind of putting a farm together, uh, doing a little farming action. And um, it was kind of weird. I was like, all right, where are the humans at? But yeah, it, these brontosaurus just have a farm that they're putting together, um, spreading some corn, using some simple machines to get some stuff done. Uh, so they've kind of evolved into, yeah, um, kind of like the next stage where instead of just being a weird-ass dinosaur, they're running around, they're building their own shit. Um, and we meet uh, the family. Um, we've got the family, people's names. Uh, Henry and Ida, the parents, um, and they are watching their kids be born. Uh, we've got Buck, Libby, and last but not least, Arlo. Um, it's kind of weird. Arlo's egg was like the biggest, and they were all excited and Arlo ended up being, like, the smallest dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of set the tone. Like, you knew that... It was one of those, like, tell me this person's going to be the main character without saying it straight out. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they have the three kids. Um, right away, you can see Arlo's kind of a scaredy cat. The other two popped out of their egg and started doing some nonsense. And Arlo kind of was hiding in the egg, had to be kind of forced out. Um we flash forward a couple years after that, and the new children are helping run the farm. Um, putting things together, building things out. And um, they've kind of got this family tradition where when they've done like a big part of being part of the family or a big help on the farm, they get to make their mark, um, which is a muddy paw print on their silo, their little corn silo. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we kind of go through this whole bit. Um, we see Arlo's scared of pretty much everything. Feeding the chickens um, was kind of his duty. Yeah. Uh, which, I, again, I kind of thought was weird because, like, they're raising these chickens, but they only eat corn. Like, they're still vegetarians, right? So what are they raising chickens for? You know what I'm saying? Eggs? I mean, maybe? I don't know. Like, but even... Again, they're they're vegetarians. They're herbivores. Or maybe in their world, everything's just scaled weirdly. So, like, chickens are, like, their version of cows or something. I don't know. Well, then, again... They, maybe they... they milk their chickens. <laughs> I guess it is a different timeline. Either way. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. As someone who doesn't eat red meat, that's something I actually got growing up. Like, well, chickens are a mammal. Like, eight-year-old me is like, no. No, they're not. (laughs) What are they, Eric? They're a bird. It's poultry. Yeah. If anything, they're a reptile. And even reptiles aren't mammals. That's true. That's true. Look at you with the science facts today. Yeah. Eric's uh, science fact corner. Yeah, look yeah. at me. All of a sudden, I, you know, I 26-year-old me enrolls in a, a, a environmental science class, and I'm just coming out here throwing facts around like I'm Bill Nye. That's, I mean, that's a classic freshman move. Dude, like, chicks you take science. You took, like, two classes, and all of a sudden you're an expert? Yeah, dude. You know? That should tell me your theories on the economy. Yeah. I mean, leaning up next to an oak tree and playing Wonderwall is overrated when you can do cool shit with a Bunsen burner. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> all the freshman cliches. Um, yeah, so they're going through, kind of getting their marks. It's kind of like this whole montage scene of the dinosaurs getting their marks. Um, and Arlo's kind of struggling to get his. And so his dad puts him in charge of guarding the silo. There's something that keeps breaking into their silo and eating their food. Um so his dad helps him set up a trap to try to catch whatever this is. Um, and Arlo taking it pretty seriously. I mean, there's like this, he's like marching back and forth. They got the trap rolling. And eventually the trap does catch something. Mm-hmm. Um, he runs, kind of timidly runs over there and uh, notices, yeah, a small child trapped in a net. A Neanderthal. A Neanderthal. Um Oh, kind of a weird, dark thing. Like, he's supposed to, like, kill the kid. Yeah. Like, they they didn't really beat around that too much. No. Supposed to, like, smack it, take care of it with the stick, the club. Um, Arlo decides not to do that and lets the little guy go, and his dad sees. Um, so they, his dad was pretty pissed, and so they walk out trying to track down the little creature uh, and it starts raining, and they get trapped in a flash flood. Uh, flash flood is coming through this big ravine. Uh, his dad saves Arlo, but his dad gets swept. Arlo's dad gets swept away, um, and he's dead. He dead. Uh, kind of flash forward a little bit longer. Everybody's still helping out on the farm. Um, they're all a little bit bigger, except Arlo is pretty much the same size. Mm-hmm. Um, and Arlo, yeah, can kind of tell he, he's doing whatever he can to help out on the farm, um, blames himself for his dad dying, 
and uh, his mom is getting a little bit older. He's not as ab- not able to do as much. Um, I don't remember why was it that he ran from the farm. Either way, um, oh, he sees the kid again um, yeah. in the silo, and he's pissed. Um, he then blames the kid for killing his dad. Basically, yeah. Yep. And chases him out, chases him through a little woods, kind of down to the ravine area. Mm-hmm. Uh, flash flood happens again. Which, a lot of flash floods at this point. What's the name of the mountain that they live on? Because that's kind uh-huh. of an important thing. It's a... Uh, Clawtooth. Clawtooth Mountain. Clawtooth Mountain. And it's kind of just because, like, the, um, the, uh... There's the three peaks and it kind of looks like a claw. Yeah, the silhouette of it does. And it's actually based on a, a real-life mountain, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And also, didn't, uh, in Land Before Time, didn't they call some, or... Weren't there some dinosaurs named Clawtooth? Like a type of dinosaur? That sounds right. Honestly, I haven't seen the Land Before Time series in a long <laughs> time. I don't suspect you're watching them on the off on uh, on your off time no no um i'm pretty sure though like was that a reference to land before time claw tooth fictional character more about claw tooth maybe it's not it's in yeah it's just all good dinosaur stuff um anyway kind of went off on a little tangent there <laughs> Arlo wakes up on a beach, um, a little ways down, can't see Clawtooth Mountain, but he remembers this old thing his dad said, that if you can find the river, you can find your way home. Um, So he sets off on this little adventure, uh, and then starts getting hungry, tries to grab some food, and a rock falls on his leg, and he gets stuck. Um, And then he passes out there. Yeah, falls asleep and wakes up and there's a hole dug and he can get his foot out. Um, He's not really sure where the hole is, but he can't see. Oh, yeah. So he kind of continues on limping along. Um, Rains are coming, so then he builds a little shelter. And, um, yeah, and then I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, but he still can't find any food. So he builds this little shelter, and all of a sudden, there's um, a snake, I think? No, no, no. There was like like a a beetle. Yeah, there's a beetle, like, laid out in front of him. Yeah. And he's, like, kind of looking around, and uh, the little kid that was the Neanderthal from the silo... Straight up rips the head off the beetle and eats it. Yep. Like, I was kind of wondering where they were going to go with that, and I was... That was like zero to a hundred. I was like, not what I was expecting. Yeah, kind of the same. Like, like keeps dropping stuff off. Oh yeah, he drops off the lizard, and uh, Arlo doesn't eat the lizard. He's like, gross, whatever. Berry, looking for berries, which again, back to like the chicken thing. Like, doesn't eat anything but you know berries and corn and leaves, vegetation. So I yeah. don't know why they're raising chickens. It is kind of weird. Yeah. Um. And that kind of progresses through the scene. Eventually, the kid brings him some berries to eat. Um, so Arlo's kind of like, doesn't trust the kid, but he needs the kid right, to help. Um, so he tries to tell him 
to bring him more berries, and the kid leads him up this cliffside, um, and find they find this berry tree. Arlo jumps over, or they they get over. The kid <laughs> essentially pushes Arlo to make a bridge for himself, and then somehow Arlo climbs back up. But uh, then a snake falls down uh, out of this tree. Fun thing with the snake is got legs, like it's like evolved a little bit. It's uh, yeah. Honestly, it was a pretty terrifying character model though. Yeah, like it was like bright fire truck red king cobra looking thing mm-hmm. but with little claw arms yes was like shit okay um so then the kid protects arlo from the snake um again kind of like arlo's kind of reconsidering his stance on this kid um they end up eating a bunch of berries and they kind of set off on a little adventure um trying to get back home and then I think it's is it another flash flood? No, it's just a big storm. Yeah, big yeah. storm rolls through. Well, have we been introduced to the pterodactyls yet at this point? No, that's after this. Okay. Um, we yeah, we met like... that we met the uh, triceratops at this point. Yeah, uh, the triceratops. Kind of uh, I mean, he kind of said like lays out what you're you've already kind of established. Right. But kind of lays it out for anybody that might not have got it yet. Um, this Triceratops has a whole bunch of animals sitting on all of his horns. And he says each one of them is to protect him from a different thing. And it's at that point they name the... They, what do they name the kid? Spot. Spot, that's right. Um, so yeah, they name the kid Spot. And then they kind of, again, just continue on their way. Um, and like they... So I thought it was a Triceratops too, but it was actually a Styracosaurus. And like I thought Arlo was a Brontosaurus too, but he's actually an Apatosaurus. So like they kind of went like deep into that whole sort of like for the people who get it, they get it. You know, I mean, they're I don't know, man. I've I've always loved dinosaurs. Like I'm not a huge like nerd. I don't know all the names and stuff like that, but I think it's super fascinating. And there's some people who have been super deep into that for a long time so it's cool to see them use the ones that we haven't seen in all the mainstream films and stuff sure. i mean you still get the t-rex because everyone loves the t-rex but yeah it's gotta like have a t-rex an apatosaurus while well, similar to uh a brontosaurus and also the um um trying to blank on the other one the allosaurus um it uh like long neck it's an herbivore so like like you mentioned it'd be weird that they're farming chickens yeah um but also uh the mountains that i was talking about that the the claw represents was the grand tetons which is in wyoming Mm -hmm. which is where the apatosaurus fossils are most known to be found (laughs) so it's kind of like there's that Pixar. They did a little bit of their research there mm-hmm. where it's like if you look at like Apatosaurus fossil findings, like it's Colorado, it's Utah, it's Wyoming, and then, you know, the the claw tooth you said was the name of the mountain range. Yeah. So it's Okay. It makes sense. And that's pretty cool. As we move forward, I think this movie really lays into that kind of uh paying homage to old time Western films. Eric. 
don't spoil it. Not spoiling it, but... Spoiling it. I mean, at this point, we've already set up that it's like a road movie. It is a road movie. Um, yeah, so they... So these storms come through. Um, pretty big storm. Um, kind of separates Arlo and the kid. Arlo's kind of like hunkering down into his shell. Finds like a, a spice to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, gets pretty scared. Storm co- or storm blows over, and um, we meet uh, these pterodactyls. Uh, these pterodactyls kind of come through and help Arlo get out. Is that right? No, the kid helps Arlo get out. Yeah, they're kind of um... the pterodactyls show up. It was kind of it was a weird entrance because like they're they say they're out hunting or like searching for people that got injured in the storm. Right. And you're like, oh, okay, they're helping out. And they find like a small like mouse thing that got stuck in its home, and they help move all that stuff. They rescue the mouse, and then he just eats it. Eats it, yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's at that point we find out that they're just scavengers following the storm, and like preying on injured animals. Yep. Um. And so when they when Arlo figures that out. He's like kind of trying to keep the kid a secret, yes. Because they won't really mess with Arlo because he's right. too big. Um, but they the kid, do want the kid. Yeah, they do want the kid. Um, so they kind of have this little battle for a bit. Yeah. Um, and they're running around, and is it the, is it the T Rex? Is that scare him off? I guess it. Um. Yes. Yes. The, I believe it's the kids. Yeah, they're running through a. Um, a little, or like a salt flat, and Arlo sees off in the distance what looks like another Apatosaurus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as he gets closer, it's just two T-Rexes. Yep. Um, so the T-Rexes start charging, the pterodactyls run away, and it turns out the T-Rexes are friendly as hell. Yeah. Yeah, just some good, good people. Yeah. Um, and this is where it kind of, yeah, again, as you said before, it turns into like a Western. Yes. Uh, who did the voice for the um, the dad T-Rex? So the dad was Sam Elliott. That's right. And then the, the kids were, I don't know who voiced them, but they were like brother and sister. And yeah, very much like, they had more of like, I felt kind of like a, a southwestern accent which i mean not a huge discrepancy but there was definitely a drawl to their speak or maybe mm. just like an old-timey west but uh yeah super nice super charming uh yeah. very hospitable and basically they now are going to um well they kind of make a deal they introduce them to to their father mm-hmm. played by sam elliott and he's kind of you know hard-nosed old guy like doesn't really trust anyone unless you prove yourself to him. Yep. And they kind of work out this deal that, you know, if Arlo can maybe help them bring back their longhorns because they're also ranchers, which is hilarious. Yes. Um, that in return, he'll try to maybe, you know, help him back to his family in some way. Yeah. So. Like they're, they're out, they're at on a task. Yeah. And Arlo kind of tags along to help them. And then they're going to get him to Claw Tooth Mountain. Yeah, and I mean, it's a pretty loose, like, handshake agreement. Like, mm-hmm. it's brought up, but it's like, even when he agrees to that, you can tell he's still not entirely sure of Arlo. Mm-hmm. But he seems, Arlo seems to be around the same age as um, the the kids, maybe a little younger. 
Mm-hmm. So they're very friendly with him. You know, it's like running into one of their school buddies or something, kind of. Yep. Um, but yeah, then they yeah. kind of start their their little adventure. Yeah, a little side quest. What would you call that? What is it called when you go, um, like on a a mission on horseback? Is there a word for that? Maybe I don't know. I don't know that there's a specific mission on horseback like a like a ride or uh i don't know go yeah. for a ride it was fun like watching them all like run because like all the t-rex yeah the t-rex they have the t-rexes look like the top half of their body is the rider and the bottom half is like the horse that they're riding yeah like they're doing this weird sidestep gallop thing uh and it was just great meanwhile their like hands don't move and their heads just leaned forward yeah exactly like somehow they made the run look like a person riding a horse. Yeah. Um, and they, they had like the whole Western, like spaghetti Western soundtrack in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, probably my favorite scene in the movie. Right it was there. pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they end up tracking down these longhorns. Yes. Um, out in a field, but they know that there's some poachers. Mm-hmm. Um, they see some feathers that kind of cues them up that there's some poachers hiding in the longhorns. Yeah, and I wasn't sure. I, I looked it up, but I forget what the um, the name of those were. But they're a weird. Imagine like the the prehistoric equivalent to like a hyena. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, so they they kind of like hide off in the back, waiting. They see all the longhorns up there, and yeah. they send Arlo in to stand on this rock and and roar. Yes. Um, to kind of attract the poachers, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does that. All the all these little bird raptor looking things sneak up on him, and uh, then they kind of ensue this battle. Uh, the T Rexes kind of like then surround them and start throwing them. Um, the cattle's take off, or the yeah, the Longhorns take off. So it's kind of one of those like fighting and dodging and running around um but arlo kind of crosses a line um in his arc where he's scared of these yeah raptor things um but one of them has kind of got the upper hand on one of the t-rexes so arlo risks his life to go save this other one doesn't he use his tail yeah thwaps him with the tail yep um so yeah, then the, they all kind of scamper off, um, and I don't remember exactly how, but I think, oh yeah, they find the river. Yes. Yes. Um, they help him find the river. Which he, now at this point, sorry to interject here, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I want to say this movie does a good job of like foreshadowing because it's almost like so on the nose, Yeah. but like. Anytime we see the river, there's some sort of a flashback or tie-in or mention to his dad or that bringing back fear or bad memories. And anytime we see a storm at this point, the storm is basically synonymous with the pterodactyls. Yep. So, I mean... Not only the pterodactyls, but like the flash flooding, which is like his greatest fear. Exactly. So it's like once we get to the river, it's kind of like, all right, this is like start of the final act here you kind of know that there's a lot of bad things brewing. Yep. And honestly, basically every time a storm happens is kind of like an end of an act. Yeah. 
Oh, and I should say, a new act. we did skip it, but there's a pretty sweet trip scene in this movie. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. So, Spot and Arlo end up eating some uh, fermented peaches that have been laying in the sun. And, yeah, they, they trip their faces off. Um, yep. You see an appearance from the Toy Story ball in that weird trip. It's a... Uh, it's very bizarre. It's a very... There's a couple moments in this movie, like, the bug... Sorry, we got some crazy traffic outside right now. Um, California. That's how they be. Yeah. Uh, the scene with the bug... Um, yeah, Arlo's dad dying, the trip. I mean, there's a few scenes that are kind of just like, whoa. But mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty funny. I, yeah. I just didn't want to completely forget about mentioning that scene. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird one. Um a lot of, yeah, not, like, disturbing is not necessarily the right word, but, like, really strange visuals that they threw in. Yes. Um, but, yeah. All right. G- good catch. Good catch. Because I'm sure that's going to come up in some fun fact here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, anyway, they, uh, yeah, kind of find the river again. Storms come through. And um, Arlo's a little more brave. Like, they kind of keep pushing through. Um, and the pterodactyls show up. Um, and kind of having another battle, they finally grab the kid and they knock him off a little ledge. The T-Rexes have already parted ways, yep, right? Yep. They've yeah. already separated. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they kind of knock Arlo off a little cliff, um, gets hit on the head by a rock mm-hmm. and kind of comes to and is trapped in these vines and his, Arlo, Arlo's dad shows up. Um, yes. Kind of releases him from these vines, but he's not really talking to Arlo, um, not really doing any back and forth. So he releases him, and then he kind of starts walking off. Um, Arlo is walking with him, and eventually, he's like, "No, we can't do this. I have to turn back. I have to go get my friend. Like he's in danger. I need to go save him." Um, and that's when his dad, or that's when he realizes. That this is just an illusion or like a, the ghost of his dad. Yeah, he like turns to sand and then the footprints disappear. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but his dad says he's proud of him. Yes. Yep. Um, adorable. You and know. then back to real time, he's still stuck in the vines. Yeah. And basically cuts his way out. It was a uh, it was a weird scene because like I was like God that sucks like I hate like I thought it was real. Oh yeah. Like I thought it was I was like that's just a bummer. Like, that that's, like, his dad comes through to save the day. Like, it kind of, like, Arlo's having, like, he's getting better, he's doing better. And then he just gets saved. And I was like, that, yeah. So when I realized that was a hallucination, I was pretty pleased. Yeah. Because, yeah, that would have that would have really killed the movie for me. I feel that. Um, but, yeah, so Arlo gets himself free, um, starts climbing the, the mountain. Because mm-hmm. um, that's where the pterodactyls had taken spot. And has a uh, dukes it out with the the pterodactyls again. This time, just by himself. Yeah. Um, Spot's doing a pretty good job at keeping him busy, and he's just kind of yeah duking it out one by one. Um, beats two of them. The third, or and then the waters start rising. Um, so the pterodactyls are still trying to get the kid. Arlo's greatest fear is happening, and he pushes through, and. Finally, how does he get the hole in the the wing? I thought it was some fire or something that he threw at him. 
That could be. That was something hot that like shot through, but I forget. Maybe like a stick or like a stick on fire or something. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, there's there's a scene like basically, yeah, punch puts a hole through this uh, pterodactyl's wing. And the pterodactyl is like trying to escape, flying away. And then he, I think they throw something at him and it hits him on the head. And then he like falls into the river. Um, but either way, uh, the kid's stuck out on like these raging waters. Um, Arlo kind of tries to jump in and save him. Helps the kid out, but then they go over a waterfall. Um, and they kind of wash up on shore again. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, it kind of saves the kid. It kind of looks like the kid died, but then comes back to life. Does some dinosaur CPR on the kid. Um, yeah, and then at this point we um, we see the second caveman in the movie. That was another thing we missed earlier. Is there was a point where we saw a silhouette of a caveman. No, that that's this scene. Well, this is the second time it happens because there's oh, one where they yeah, just yeah. see the one guy, and Spot kind of howls at this guy, and this guy howls back at him, and we see him in the distance. But Arlo kind of is like, "We got to keep moving." Yep. And they kind of move past, but now they reach the shore after this waterfall, and they see a a family of like cave people. Yes. There's the four of them. Yes, that's right. No, 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 no. You're. I think he jumped ahead here, because he sees the the fan or the the adult. Um, he kind of like rushes him along a little bit. Oh no no, you're right you're right. So yeah, they get over the they get over the hill. Um, and they Arlo can see his farm. Um, but then he sees, uh, yeah, this family of Neanderthals. Um, and kind of, like, kind of realizes the error in his ways. Basically, he wanted to keep Spot for himself. Like, we're friends, you get to stay with us, like, you're my pet. Um, but then decides to kind of force Spot to go with his own kind. Um, uh, yeah, kind of a, an interesting scene. They kind of established this way Arlo and Spot can communicate about family. Um, by, by drawing a circle around and kind of forces, he white fangs him. Not necessarily white fang, but yeah, forces Spot. Spot's trying to come tag along with Arlo, and uh, Arlo forces him to join this other clan of Neanderthals. Um, he finally gets back to the farm, um, helps his mom out. His mom's all excited to see him. And it was kind of weird because, like, in the scene where. I guess backtracking a little bit, but the scene where um, after Arla's dad dies and he's helping on the farm, like we straight up do not see Buck or Libby at all. Like from then on, they are not in the movie. Yeah. Like the mom's like passing out in the field and Arla's like starts trying to do more to help. And then in this scene, like, the mom's out tending the field again, and the other two are nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Which I, yeah, it was a weird thing that I noticed. I'm like, where the hell are the other kids? Why Arlo got to do everything? Maybe they moved away. That could be. Um, but yeah, Arlo makes it back. His mom's there. Do a weird Apatosaurus hug thing. Um, and then Arlo gets to make his mark. Gets to put his paw print 
right in between his mom and dad and above his brother and sister. Yeah. I thought it was fun that they just left that spot open. Like, clearly, like, the first time you see those two marks, you're like, Arlo's going to go there. Yeah. Of course it's going to go in the middle. Of course. Yep. And the siblings take, like, the two outer ones. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, so Arlo gets his paw print. And that's pretty much a wrap. I don't yeah. think there's anything else. No, that about does it. Yeah. And there it is. That's a good dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you say we uh, we bring it back to the beverage we got in front of us, the Ladonia? Yeah. Is there any more in there? Big Mama. Big Mama. No, nah, we we finished it. All right, I, I'm so bad at saving a little bit till this part. It was a, it was an interesting one. It was uh not what I expected out of a blonde ale, but as soon as I tasted it, I was like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, there's always something with their beers. Not gonna lie, wasn't a huge fan. Okay. I like a lot of stuff I've had from them, um, which I should say isn't a lot, but I've liked most of the things I've had from them. They always have a really cool presence at the Dabblers. Mm-hmm. They stand out, like you said. Whoever does their street team and their graphics, sending you a lot of love because you guys do a good job. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as what I drank today, it um, it was super dark for like a blonde ale. Yep. Really dark in color, and also just like. I don't know, not not the flavor I was expecting for a Blondale, just a little heavier than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just could have gone for something a little more light, a little more crisp. It was definitely bready, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the style goes, I'm going to give it maybe like a 2.6. Okay. Yeah, um, it was definitely an unexpected... Um, I I could have used a little more carbonation, but I really did like the flavor. Um, but I don't know that, like, if somebody were to come up to me and ask me for, like, a blonde ale, I don't know that this is what I'd recommend to them. No. Like, this almost kind of sat more in, like, the Marzen kind of yeah. realm for me, um, which is... Base, uh, shy of a Belgian beer is essentially my favorite style. Right. Um, I like that light. I like that. I mean, there's a pretty heavy malt uh, profile on this one. Um, I think I'm going to go a little higher. I would buy this again. Um, and, I mean, it's Oktoberfest season, though. So, you know, I, I got a lot to do this season. It's yeah. the most wonderful time of the year. Oktoberfest season. Um I'm probably going to go three, three, four on this one. I did like it. A um, little middle of the road, but, I mean, it's a Blondale. The only thing I could really change is I think I would have liked more carb on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Two, six, three, four. There it is. All right. You heard it here. Well, check out Ladonia, everybody. They're located in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, what part are they in South? Uh, Fremont Avenue North. Yeah. All right. They weren't far from my old place. I went there a couple times. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, go support those folks. They do a good job. They do. Um, But in the meantime, we're going to take a quick little break, and we will be right back with some good dinosaur fun facts. So don't go anywhere. How'd you get your scar? 
I don't know if you're ready for that story. I can take it. Oh, yeah, you gotta jump off. That's a good one. <clears throat> it was a hundred degrees in the shade. I walked for five days with no water. Then I saw it. A pretty pond. I bent down to take a drink when these crocs launched out of the water. One croc bit me on the face. Ain't no way I wasn't at supper. Except for one thing. I wasn't ready for dying that day. I bit one croc in half, tail whipped the other, and the last one, well, I drowned that croc in my own blood. Whoa. Dang! Oh, look, look. Gives me little gooses every time. I love that story. What's up, everybody, and thank you for sticking with us. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed the summary of The Good Dinosaur. Uh, as always, all these films that we talk about are available on Disney+, Plus. so not that they need more money or a plug, but <laughs> if you're like, yo, this sounds cool, I want to check it out. Um, it's yeah. one of those, if you got a lot of time on your hands, I've done it with some streaming services where you sign up for that free trial. Like, if you know you, you've got a nice chunk of time, yeah, you just bust through as much as you can in that one week, and you just... Yeah, I've done that. I did that with Stars a lot a while ago. Yeah. Yep. Not to get stuck on streaming services too much, but I feel like each one's kind of got their own like thing that they kind of like. They might not outright say it, but it's kind of like, oh, Netflix is like decent for movies and original content. Uh, mm-hmm. Hulu's kind of the one for TV lovers. HBO's got your more, you know, uh, really good darker like mini series stuff. Um, Disney has something for, like, everybody. I mean, it really does. You get all the Star Wars on there. I think you get some sports with it now, too. They've got, like, a weird thing with ESPN. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, Mighty Ducks, like, all the live-action Disney stuff, all their animated non-Pixar stuff. But and They've just been making content for so long, it was just kind of a no-brainer for them. Yeah. Yeah. It was just something I wanted to throw out there, because I know I've had coworkers mention um, the past few weeks, they're like, where do you guys watch all these? <laughs> it's there's an app for that exactly yes there is yeah so uh yeah check it out um and i was looking at the list we've only got a few more left to watch but uh Mm -hmm. i don't want to get too sentimental i don't want to cry before i do the fun facts (laughs) eric's fun facts without further ado here we go did you know one of the reasons uh that this film could have done so poorly at the box office was that it followed inside out Inside Out was the big hit with kids, um, and also it came out in the same year as The Good Dinosaur. So, Inside Out was a June release, I believe, and this movie came out in, like, November. So, it's kind of, like, it's a tough one to follow. I mean, like, Inside Out was right in that summer, like, blockbuster window, and then this one kind of came out, like, right around winter but not quite winter like i feel like fall's a tough spot for theaters you know what i mean yeah because like i I mean there's always like big summer hits but then like you don't really i don't know falls like a time pretty much everybody's out yeah and i mean you'll see a lot of christmas movies like kids movies come out around christmas time even Mm -hmm. not necessarily christmas themed movies but it's just a big time where like you know people gotta spend like People want to take their kids out to do something, right? But it's cold as shit, 
So movies are a pretty good option. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Um, there's also a theory that, you know, maybe there just wasn't any energy left for this film from uh, uh, a consumer standpoint. They were Pixar out, you know. Yeah. Kind of tough to say. Um, different era, which is weird to say because it was only six years ago. But if we look at the last two Pixar films released, which I believe would be Luca and Soul, um, both released during this kind of COVID era of cinema, which... The, the premiere access thing has been a real weird thing. I know it's a pretty, like, it's, it's got, I mean, I, I personally love it. Yeah. But, like, studios, actors, like, they hate it. Like. Yeah. It's, it's pissing a lot of people off just because, like, they're not making that box office money. It's like that. Right. It's like the opposite of, um, like, concerts or, like, musicians where, like, when an album's released, yeah, they, they don't really make sales anymore, you know, with all the different music streaming services. It's more like the concerts, the merch, the everything else like is around it. But with movies, it's still like box office. That's where they make 90% of their money. And then the rest, or 90%'s a little extreme, but like then, then there's the merch and yeah. there's other stuff. But like they still counted on box office a lot. Yes. Like HBO doing all these like new releases like in theaters and streaming like the Suicide Squad movie and like all of that shit. And I'm like super glad that these are on here because I would probably have gone to see them in the theaters. But I got to do it from my own home for a subscription I already had. Yeah. I feel like King of Staten Island was maybe one of the first big ones of like the quarantine releases where I remember when that movie came out, it was like, oh, wow, they're releasing this to streaming and then maybe like limited theatrical but it's like if you want to watch it on streaming it was still like 30 bucks or something like that it Mm -hmm. was kind of wild yeah um like you could pay essentially the whole ticket price right for that so then theaters are getting pissed off about it yeah but it's like you know i don't know as a consumer i'm not mad about it um but uh i think it, it gives people more access to more content quickly without having to pay the high um ticket price of of going to a theater which i I do think a theater is the best place to watch a movie i love the experience um i know people have been saying for years that the theaters are dying but i think i've realized that like at this point they're gonna be around forever we might see less of them but maybe not as many of the megaplexes that we're getting right or we might just have the megaplexes the little ones might die out and you know each big city might have their 120 screener um you know but sure movie theaters will be around for our lifetime i promise you um also on a quick side note with that loved that every movie like once one of the movie theaters updated like all their like all their seats and everything like all the recliners the nicer thing it kind of forced the hand of every other theater to do it yeah like like i don't know how i feel about it i mean on one side everything's gotten a little more cleaner and a little more sterilized but also like the prices are getting more insane and the experience is just not as relaxing as it once was like getting in seems a little more intimidating yeah once you're there it's relaxing but just like i hate the amc thing of picking your seats before you go in and then you're in this giant theater and you're trying to figure out where you're sitting i mean not a huge deal if it's like you're one of the first people in, but I've maybe told the story before on this podcast of going to see 
Star Wars The Force Awakens and getting there, like, right as the trailers were, like, ending. And I had to find my seat in the middle of this giant cluster, <laughs> like, full theater, people just staring at me, totally dark. Like, in for a movie that's was pretty hyped up. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, like, you're committed. Like, you paid and picked those seats ahead of time. And I'm like, what the fuck? I have no idea where I'm going. I'd sit on the edge. I showed up late. I'd sit on the edge. But yeah. You can't. Yeah. Found found our way, but yeah, I I don't know mixed 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 feelings, but uh, I digress. We shouldn't talk about this anymore. Oh okay, oh you're you're allowed to go off on tangents in my section uh, unless you had a tangent to add. There. No, I don't have a tangent. Right. Well, I, just, I want the option to have a tangent. All right. Well, the option's there. Okay. Oh, I should maybe say now too. Uh, should have said at the top of the show, but rest in peace, Carl. Oh, yeah. It's not exactly a fun fact, but you know. No, not a fun fact. I don't know why I inserted it here, but I feel like I'd forget it if I didn't say it. Yeah, Carl Carl Fredrickson um, recently on trial and acquitted, acquitted of all charges. Of all charges. Um, Got a great defense attorney. Great yeah. defense attorney. Man, still kind of shook. Carl went back to uh, living at home for a couple weeks, but unfortunately uh, passed at the old age of 93 um this week so rest in peace carl our thoughts and prayers condolences are with the the frederickson family so there's there's none of them yeah there's none of them there's none left our thoughts and prayers are with with doug with the dead people no with doug the dog Uh, i don't really like him that's fair (laughs) that's fair actually did you know the Good Dinosaur was the lowest-grossing Pixar movie worldwide. It just didn't have the same kind of attraction that's uh, been prevalent in the other Pixar films. It uh, it made its money back, but was still deemed a box office bomb, which I'm kind of confused, or curious, rather, what, you know... Like, Pixar's just set the bar too high, where, like, if it doesn't make... If it doesn't triple their money that they invested, it's a bomb. Or if there is, like, a decimal point that, like, your movie has to you know bring back or profit for it not to be considered a bomb i'm just kind of considered i'm kind of curious what that benchmark was because i don't have the exact stats in front of me but for this movie it was something like a hundred million dollar budget against uh you know 130 at the box office so it's like it didn't lose money no it just didn't make as much as they wanted which again it's kind of surprising because i really did like this movie it's pretty solid yeah But but i think i think the steam thing is kind of an important one yeah like it just i mean with inside out and then you have this movie like good dinosaur merch i didn't i mean i remember seeing inside out stuff but i don't remember seeing any good dinosaur stuff it's kind of like an overlooked speaking of good dinosaur did we uh shut out this beer oh we have not yet we cracked open that conversation off air you want to tell the people what we're drinking yeah yeah we'll see if we get a tangent out of you this time uh, we are drinking King Sue Double IPA from TG, as they call it. Uh, Toppling Goliath out of Decorah, Iowa. This lusciously hazy double IPA gains its bold flavor of mango, orange, and pineapple from the use of the delicious Citra Hop. All hail the king. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, they're in Decorah, Iowa. Um, 
And again, the play here is the dinosaur on the can. Dinosaur is very prevalent on a number of uh, toppling Goliath's beers. And then uh, Big Mama, which we drank earlier for, you know, Arlo's Big Mama. Yeah. Literally, I refers to her basically as just Mama the entire episode. Yes. The entire movie. But yeah, just wanted to make sure we got that beer out there before we got too far along. But did you know... Arlo's movements were based on those of young elephants. If you take the images side by side, you can see the same gait and rolling movements of their shoulders. Uh, it's similar, too, in the way that the Tyrannosaurus rexes... Rexes. Tyrannosaurus rex? Dinosaurs? Rexi. Rexi. They were, um, they were based on horses. So, there you go. Some real-world references these folks use. Uh, moving along, Arlo was originally supposed to be older. He was supposed to be in his teens, but the idea of him and Spot both being younger gave rise to the idea that it would be a better story if they were both learning how to survive on their own. So kind of the idea of, you know, a couple maybe 8-year-olds on the run was more attractive than, you know, a couple 16-year-olds, which sure. I don't think Spot's 8. I mean, I think no. he's uh, older than what his age or appearance lends itself to. Mm-hmm. I think he's maybe a, you know, five-year-old or something like that. Okay. But yeah, he that that was kind of a thing. Um, like he looked like a toddler basically, but like had the survival skills of. I mean, granted, raised in the woods, um, but like was very self-sufficient for the most part. Yeah, and it is an alternate reality, too, where, I mean, everyone's kind of, I mean, even his parents are very, you know, a very much uh, a simplistic, you know, hunter-gatherer, you know, cave-dwelling people, you know, they're not driving cars or using phones or anything like that, so I yeah. think it's kind of the idea that, I don't know, or maybe he is a really mature toddler, I don't know. Also, but. did it seem weird that, like, all of, like, the, the, the new family, like, they're all, like gray white hair like all of them mm. it was like a really weird like i was wondering i think it was kind of a show like these aren't spots parents and like maybe because like they i mean yeah they they didn't look old but they just had like a very felt very prominent could just like, be a hard lifestyle man well, I'm sure. I'm sure foraging is is a hard lifestyle. People were living till what? Probably like thirty years of age back then. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Fair His enough. Parents are probably twenty five and ancient. Just uh, working themselves to the bone. Yeah. Um. Did you know, Arlo, the adorable dinosaur that will steal your heart, is eighteen feet tall. Little reference. Hmm. And okay. I think uh, looking at photos, I think it it's got to be a, a foot to top of head measurement, but yeah, but like that's just kind of a weird. I mean, just the way everything's scaled, like you can say that, but like that is not how it was presented in the movie. I mean, I think if anything, it just means the kid was bigger than we thought. You know, the kid's probably like a six year old. Yeah, I mean that's fair, but like the kid. Like, crouch down is, like, up to his knee. Yeah. So, let's say, okay, let's say he's how 18 feet tall. That would be, like, neck and head fully extended. Because, I mean, his neck's probably 10 feet. Sure. 
But like the kid's still up to the knee, right? So yeah, if we go head to like knee, I mean that bottom half of his leg, I would say is at least a quarter of his height, probably. Sure. So at that point, so what's eighteen divided by four is six? No. No, no, no. Uh, what is eighteen divided by four? Holy shit. Um, three and a half. Three and a half. No. Holy shit! Why can I not four do and a half. four and a half? Jesus. Math. I gotta so, go. Yeah, I gotta take some kids, math class. Kids four and a half feet tall. Four and a half feet tall. So yeah, that could be in that like six-year-old ballpark. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, It's just weird because, like, all the perspective in this movie is forced to, like, Arlo's maybe six feet tall. Right. And everything else is smaller. Yeah. I kind of, like, go back and watch it and just, like, force myself to think about how tall Arlo is and just, like, really drive that in and see if I can force perspective. It is interesting. Like, I didn't read that till after watching it, but... uh... Uh, I stated this earlier, but uh, the Clawfish Mountains were inspired by the Grand Teton, so did you know? Uh, also, talk about massive storage requirements. 17 terabytes were needed for the river alone in a scene where Arlo is swept away. That's more than all of the storage needed for Cars 2. <laughs> cars 2. I mean, this movie was very pretty. Very pretty. Very pretty. Um a visual delight. Yes. Speaking of visual delight, spe- special effects, uh, they were used in more than 900 shots on the film. That's twice as many as in any other Pixar film thus far. And finally, this was Peter Sohn's directorial debut. It's hmm. a bummer for him. <laughs> I mean, again, really like the movie, but like, imagine... Pixar, oh, we, yeah, we make tons of money. We're really good at what we do. You're going to be a new director, and your movie flopped. Yeah, I mean, I will say I think Peter Sohn's doing okay. He seems uh, pretty talented. He uh, has been with Pixar for a while before this. Um, sure. It was just kind of him finally getting his chance. But animator, director, voice actor, storyboard artist, and, yeah, spent uh, the majority of his career at Pixar. He's... Uh, 44 years old he's uh from the bronx um and uh yeah parents were korean immigrants and he uh went to school at cal arts and has been working with pixar since 2000 so yeah i mean if he's 44 now that means he's been with pixar since he was what 23 yeah that'd be about right yeah so Shout out to him. I hope he's happy, man. I mean, what a niche to find. He's worked on films like The Incredibles, Ratatouille. Um, His first film that he worked on with them was uh, actually in the art and storyboard department on Finding Nemo. Oh, shit. So. Uh, Well, um, sorry your movie didn't do that great, but it's a great movie. Um, (laughs) I'm sure Peter is a listener. So, you know, shout out to you. Also, uh. Russell, the boy in Up, was based on his visual appearance. Oh. So we talked about kind of how Russell was based on his mannerisms by a neighbor of uh, Pete Doctor, I believe. Yeah. But if you look at uh, Peter Sohn, it's like... (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there he is. 
Maybe that'll just be the graphic for this. It's just a picture of Peter Sullivan. I mean, good for him, man. Yeah. 44 years old, and that man has a baby face. Mm-hmm. Full of youth, that man. Yeah. All right. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So hope well, Peter's doing well. Hopefully, now, that is a fun fact. Yeah. Hopefully he gets another uh, directing gig, because to this date, I don't think he has another directing credit. Actually, I take that back. He directed... Uh, Partly Cloudy, which was a Pixar CGI animated short film that came out in 2009. Okay, not the, um, I was thinking like Partly Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Yeah. thought that's where you were going. Chump Ship went to, uh, went to DreamWorks. I'm pretty sure that's a DreamWorks one. Right? Partly Cloudy, is is that DreamWorks? Uh, no, that's Pixar. Or wait, uh. Partly Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Yeah, it's DreamWorks. Oh, yeah, it's not even partly cloudy. It's just called Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Yeah. Isn't there, like, three of those? I know there's at least uh, there's two. There's a few, yeah. Like, what a weird wagon to hitch your thing onto. DreamWorks was making a run for a while there. They had those. I think they had, um, uh, I think Over the Hedge was DreamWorks. Didn't uh, they also produce, like, one of the worst movies on Rotten Tomato? The Ant Bully. Um, um, I think it was... You keep talking. I got to figure out this movie. Yeah. Well, that does take me to the end of uh, our, our fun facts. So I'm going to have a quick sip here and then I'll just roll right into music because I unfortunately did not find a lot for the music on this film. But what I did find was uh, that the film's score was composed by Michael Dana and his brother Jeff. Uh, they replaced Thomas Newman, who was originally attached to the score of the film when it was set to be directed by um peterson and i forget peterson's first name the way i said that was kind of weird um sorry dropping the ball here guys um yeah there was some weird stuff that happened with this film where basically it was uh uh bob peterson excuse me he was uh set to be the original director but it ended up getting passed on to sewn um for a number of pre-production reasons but uh yeah, so unfortunately Thomas Newman didn't get to score this one, but it's kind of cool because it opens it up for two new names that we haven't talked about. That's Michael and Jeff Dana. Um, it also marks the first Pixar film to be scored by two composers. So Dana was approached by Sohn, um, and basically the reason they wanted him on board was because uh, he did the score for Life of Pi, which won an Academy Award. Um I've heard that movie and score is phenomenal. I've still never seen Life of Pi. Um, but yeah, having a lot of work um, to do. He invited his brother and co-writer, um, Jeff, to uh, to help out. So yeah, basically it was Michael brought in for a meeting with Pete Sohn and took the gig and pushed some work onto his brother. So got the job done and... I think this movie has a nice score. Um, I think it's what it needs. I mean, it's something that plays with the scenery. It's kind of um, kind of reminiscent of Brave. Kind of like an old-timey, kind of folksy. A um, lot of mandolin. A lot of fiddle. Um, it's nice. It's I don't want to say it's just kind of there, because that makes it sound bad, but... Uh, I think I think it fits the picture well, um, but yeah, that's all I had for for music on this film. 
So I guess uh, bringing things back to the table, we've got the King Sioux, which is uh, what we've been drinking today. And King Sioux comes to us from Toplin Goliath, Decorah, Iowa. It is their double IPA. Um, if you don't want something as intense, I recommend the Pseudo Sioux. That's a pretty good pale ale. Um, and yeah, these guys are kind of known for doing hazy, citrusy, very tropical flavored um, IPAs in the heart of the Midwest. So I've got some beef with them, but it's not due to the taste of their beers, which I guess people could be like, well, what's your problem then, dude? But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to table that one too. We'll, we'll save that for maybe another time. If you, if you want to know how I feel about this one, go back and listen to our probably talking, I don't even know what that would have been. One of the Cars episodes, probably. Probably in there. Yeah. Did a trip down there. It's, uh, go see it for yourself. Um, the movie I was thinking of was The Nut Job. The Nut Job. The Nut Job. Um, but, like, there's a second one, Nutty by Nature, but it's not DreamWorks. I thought it was DreamWorks, but, like, they had a big-ass budget. Will our, uh... Starring Will Arnett, Liam Neeson, and Brendan Fraser. You want to hit me with a link to this? (laughs) Yes, yes I will. Um, But yeah, it is... It's bad. Um, This is one of those where I'm sitting here and I'm like... This is Sony Pictures that did it. Okay. Yeah. I'm sitting here like I've never heard of this, but I feel like I'm going to see the poster and be like, oh, that one. There's there's some real stinkers. Um, We talking like early 2000s? Uh, nut job would have been early two thousands. Uh, the second one came out in. Uh, da, 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 da. Second one came out in twenty seventeen. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Was it Sony? Who the hell did this? I gotta figure. I got. I got one more bit of research to do about one of the worst. <laughs> Uh, we'll tell you what. Well, you're busy not doing your job. Hey, I'll, I'm working uh, here. I'll give my thoughts on hmm. end game entertainment. Is end game entertainment? Yeah. All right. Well, now, if you don't know, not now you know. Now you know. Now you know. Villains. I I went back and forth on this one with the pterodactyls. Um. I don't know, man. Like, the pterodactyls were pretty shitty. Like, they were, and they were in several, or two big parts. I mean, they were, like, introduction, and then they came back. They weren't, like, a villain the whole time. Yeah. But, like, if there is a villain in it, it's for sure them. It's for sure them. There's not one of them, so we'd have to group them as a whole. Yeah. And I guess the only issue that's kind of blocking me from ranking them is that if we are viewing Arlo as the protagonist and not Spot, they really don't mess with Arlo too much until that very final sequence where they kind of have to. Yeah. They more or less are just messing with something that Arlo was told to kill in the first place. And so it's kind of like, you know, if you put your hand in the hornet's nest, the hornets are going to sting you. But like... The hornets aren't necessarily your enemy unless you go out of your way and try to, you know, get whatever's in there. I don't know. Yeah, and, like, the whole, I don't know, again, 
granted they're like now more evolved more socialized dinosaurs yeah but like these things are meat eaters we it's just that we've given we've humanized every single thing in this movie so like when the pterodactyls first saved like the little rat thing and then they eat it they were going to eat that anyway like they're carnivores yeah i mean we don't talk about the t-rexes eating like their cat all the longhorns like it's pretty heavily implied that that's what they're for yeah like as arlo's family stocks corn for the winter like these t-rexes herd cattle yes like cycle of life maybe yeah like they they are meat eaters it's just the pterodactyls are meat eaters it's just that they we've humanized anything that they would eat i'm cool with putting it under that yeah just kind of like cycle of life totem pole food chain whatnot like none of it was overly nefarious like they were they were dicks yeah but like i don't know if i guess if anything if you want to talk like a little more malicious the um the like raptor things definitely like they were a little more malicious in their thing like the whole reason arlo had to go out to that rock is because they were hiding among the cattle yeah and like they stole these cattle and yeah but i wouldn't consider them to really be the villains of the movie like they, they were bad people but they weren't villains of the movie they were just not friendly characters in the movie yes i think it, yeah it's a little different it's it's a small difference but it is a difference i don't think i don't think they make the villain list yeah i don't think they do either um i'm actually kind of curious well i would imagine onward probably has some villains but i our villain list might be coming to a close pretty soon here because yeah, we'll see we'll there might, see there might be one in luca i don't know if there's one in soul we'll see or we'll coco see. Onward seems like it's got one, though. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm excited for that one. But wrapping up things with the good dinosaur, I think we should rate this film. Um, Yeah. I'll give my rating first. Uh, Okay. Give you a minute, because it looks like you're Googling something. Yes. Um, I like this movie. I thought it was really nice. I thought it was really pretty. I thought the music accompanied the scenery well. I thought it moved along at a good pace. I thought it gave me not one, but a couple characters. Not just a couple, probably a handful of characters. I mean, there's like three, four, five people I encounter throughout this film that it's like, man, I really like this character. I want to see more of them. Even Um, like the the Triceratops guy, kind of like, yeah, that scene was small, but like the bit was funny. It was very funny. Like the whole, like each, uh, each of the animals hanging out on his head has a name. Yeah. Um, there was a dream crusher and he's like who prevent or who prevents me from having too high of aspirations i was like okay and then debbie debbie yeah and he says it in the same tone because he listed like five of them yep and like explained what their purpose was and then he's just like and debbie and there's a long pause some weird like jerry garcia dude that's just like hanging out in the woods like that dude definitely has crystals. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely reads horoscopes. I mean, it is... Is it Aries season right now? Virgo season? It's always Leo season, baby. I don't know, It's man. always Leo season, baby. I'm always just sagging it up over here. <laughs> it's a classic Sagittarius mentality. Yeah. 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 Classic. Yep. Yeah. S- sagging it up in the corner. That's where you can find me. Bet you're Gemini. 
two-faced bitch. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, middle of the pack for me. I'm putting this at number 11. Um, let's see. Reasons why it's not more towards the bottom, things I just listed. Gives me a number of characters to like. It's pretty. The music's good. It's got a decent story. The reason why it doesn't rank higher... This movie has moments where it really shines, and it also has moments where you really are taken out of it. You realize it's a kid's movie. It's pretty tropey. Like, I guess anytime there was something like, I don't know, there's there's a few great moments in this movie, but anytime there was like a good moment, I was like, oh, this reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. And then I was kind of deflated a little bit. Um, movies like Big Brother, which is another Disney movie, um, or excuse me, not Big Brother, Brother Bear. Okay. Um, I think there's been two of them. Great Phil Collins soundtrack. The first one, fantastic. Highly recommend. A lot of similarities to that. Even some similarities to Ice Age, which I know is DreamWorks. I got a lot of that kind of vibe from it. Um, yeah, so I guess that's the only reason it's not higher is... There were just, like, moments where it was good, but it wasn't necessarily particularly original. It was like, this is trying to replicate or pay homage to something that I know, and they're doing it in kind of an on-the-nose way. Um, Also, I think Arlo, while I wanted to see him win because of the circumstances he was put in, he wasn't a particularly charismatic protagonist he was kind of just like like yeah man i'm gonna want to root for the kid that just lost his dad and is trying to help provide for his mom and is on a journey and like is kind of having these thoughts of mortality and it's really like you know it's uh it's a coming of age film and it's a road movie Mm -hmm. so like yeah my heart's with him but he's not i think they could have done a lot better job of um uh, sculpting a more um, endearing protagonist. And I think that just comes through with the writing. I think that character was poorly written, unfortunately. Sure. Um, and I, I get that part. Like, it was never up until pretty much the end of the movie. Like, you're rooting for him, but he doesn't necessarily give you any reason to. He's kind of almost forced along the whole movie. Yeah. Like, he never... He's not, like, whiny. He's not overly, you know, aggressive or annoying. He's just kind of, I think it's the, his kind of, he's just kind of bland, you know? The the movie happens to him. Yes. Everything happens to him. He's, he's not until, again, until basically the, the scene with his ghost dad, like that's about the first time he, like, he makes a conscious decision to like, nope, like that he's. It's that scene where he's changed. He's gone yeah. from the world. And maybe that's part of it. Like, before the world was happening to him and it was scary and it was, yeah, he was terrified of everything. And this was the first where he's like, I'm making this decision. I need to go do this for these reasons. So maybe it was written that way. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying with that. Yeah. I, I can't fault him or hate him too much just again because of the circumstances, but... uh yeah, it, he wasn't my favorite Pixar protagonist. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 
I will say it does have that one Pixar moment at the end of the film, that like tearjerker moment where he kind of, you know, offers spot over to this family. And he's like, no, these are like. He white fangs him. Yeah. And honestly, this came before the final, the season two finale of Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. People listening, any Star Wars junkies out there, I love you. But uh, the final episode the most recent episode of Mandalorian where the Mandalorian offers the child Grogu to Luke Grogu Master Skywalker it's kind of one of those things where he's like I love you but like go with him this is where you need to be they're more suited to give you the life you deserve and it was very it's not it's not an original ending. I mean, I've no. seen it so many times, but it it gets you every time. Like it'll work if you do it right. Like you want them to just be together forever, but you're like, yeah, but like they understand. Yeah, and you know the future's better for both if they don't, you yep. know. So, yeah, 11 basically right in the middle. That's where I'm putting it. So, I will pass it over to you. All right. Um I'm going to be a little bit higher with this one. Um I will say Right off the bat, the movie, it was a little rough. Um, like, they do all the intro scenes. Um, it was just kind of one of those... I don't know. There, it's not even like there wasn't conflict at the beginning. But, like, it just really dragged its feet at the beginning of it. And so I kind of... I, I lost interest. Not going to lie, I lost interest until about the uh triceratops scene yeah and then that happened and i was like okay like we're into like this is a pixar movie now like we're doing the fun bits the story's getting a little more intense i don't know it's just a lot more fun so i think i'm putting her at nine nice I'm put her in that nine spot i agree man the movie definitely shines like that's a good point it definitely shines when you have those moments where it's just Arlo and Spot on the screen. Yep. Like them, th- those two against the world. Yeah. Yeah. Against the four-legged King Cobra. Yeah. Seriously, that, that was a terrifying character model. It really was. Yep. Like, that was that was an actually, like, oh, shit, all right. Um, but, yeah, so that's why I'm putting it. All right on. Um, what do you say we rate this beer and get the heck out of Dodge? Yeah. It's been a long one, but yeah. uh, I got uh, King Sue from Toppling Goliath. Gonna be on. I don't know that I've had this one. I've had Pseudo Sue a handful of times. This one, I, I don't know, man. It is to me. It's a very average hazy. Like it's yeah. got it's got the fruit flavor. It's fairly high octane, but like I don't know. They like I I sure everybody at this point is probably aware. I'm pretty hazed out. And it's kind of stuff like this is why. Like, it is, this is just, it is a hazy. It exists. I got some of those fruit flavors. High octane. The only thing that was nice about it was that, or, like, the only thing that I was pretty pleased about is it doesn't do the tongue coat thing that a lot of them can do. Yeah. Like, it finishes pretty clean. Um, so it's a little better up there. Flavor-wise, didn't do a whole lot for me probably putting this at probably middle of the road three three yeah it is it is a hazy i think i'm gonna be a little higher than you on this one i'm probably gonna put it at a three three um 
I'm also hazed out, but I do try to give them an honest review and realize that, you know, they're one of a few styles that isn't my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of just need to rate them within their style of what a good hazy is. Um, and this is good. It's just, like you said, it's high octane. It's not something I'm going to drink a lot of. It's not something I'm probably going to order at a bar. But if you do like a hazy and you do like a stronger one, you want a tall boy and you want to have one or two, um, heck yeah, I can recommend this beer. Yeah. I I got I got nothing against it personally. It's just like, I don't know. Didn't, nothing was exciting about it. Yeah. Like the style's been around for a long time now and this beer's been around for a decently long time. So it's kind of like in that Furious range where like Furious is a good beer. It really is, but like it, I've had it before, and there's like new things that I think are better, but maybe it's because they're new. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, all right. So three and three, three, three and three. To say three, three or three, four, three, 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 three. three. Uh, three, three. Uh, yeah, three and three, three and uh, nine and eleven for the film. All right, there it is. Don't do it. Don't do it. Nate's looking at me. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for joining us today. Um, this has been The Good Dinosaur. Uh, we're sorry that we delivered maybe a mediocre episode. Middle of the road beers and a middle of the road, middle of the road, uh, middle of the road Pixar film. But uh, we'll do better. I'm going to say, not everything can be... we got to set those middle bars somewhere. It can't just be like, this is the new greatest movie. That's right. <laughs> just put every movie we watch... No, this is number one now. This is number one. I, I Except like for that. Cars 2. This is the last one. I couldn't set it better. It's a great mindset. This, suds, buds, we gotta be decent sometimes. Yep, exactly. But, we can't uh, be perfect all the time. I can't. Right. Uh, you guys know where to find us. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, PodMN. Um, we're also on Instagram, SudsBudsPod. Feel free to email us. That's uh, sudsbudspod at gmail.com. It's always S-U-D-Z-B-U-D-Z. We appreciate any interaction, questions, comments, even sometimes debates. There we go. Might even do a whole episode based on an email you send us. You never know. But uh, also, one last good housekeeping thing before we hit the dusty old trail. Um, Producer, Salsa Dave. Going to be going on a little vacay. Man works hard and needs a little little break as we all do so uh show might be a little spotty the next couple weeks but we promise you if you don't see it in your feed the next week or the following we will get right back on the horse and ride also a promise we'll make up for any content that we don't deliver that means we take two weeks off we'll back end two bonus episodes on the back for free None of that Patreon, none of that ad-free and stuff. And I'll probably still make some really we'll always dumb... Always ad-free stuff technique. because no one will sponsor us. <laughs> I'll probably still make some dumbass graphics for it too, but you know. Totally. for off weeks. We want to put the work in and deliver, but also we believe that it's important that uh, people need to live their lives. People need to have experiences. People need to do fun stuff. Salsa Dave needs some time off. The Honorable Judge Salsa Dave. Yeah, so... Uh, we're sending our blessings to Salsa Davis. He goes on a cool little camping trip across the country. Hope you guys do as well. And also something worth mentioning. We might even do a whole episode on this. But uh, Dusty. The original Suds Bud. The original half of the show. As much of a Suds Bud to this day as I am. <laughs>
he uh he's leaving he's still until monday was a co-worker of mm-hmm. nate and ours and a, a good friend and he'll always be a good friend even when he's not a co-worker but he's heading down to uh to live on joe rogan's compound <laughs> to live on joe <laughs> rogan's compound <laughs> he uh he's heading down to live with a, a scientist buddy in austin texas and uh start a new chapter of his young life so we send him our best love that dude his giggle makes me smile all the time and uh hopefully sometime down the road we'll get him back in studio or maybe on zoom for a little call in but uh yeah send your uh your best to uh salsa dave and dusty as they embark on Some two little journeys little journeys a little good dinosaur yeah dusty's spot for sure Salsa Dave, he could be Argo. Dusty's spot. <laughs> See you laters, but not goodbyes. That's what we're all about. There so. it is. See you later, everybody. Have a good one. Goodbye. Your days and your nights get a little bit 